St. Paul is in shock tonight after a student was killed in a stabbing at Harding High School. Sadly, Harding is no stranger to violence. Stabbing happened Friday. It was in the hallway of Harding High School. Devin Scott died at the hospital. In February, Devin Scott was stabbed to death at Harding High School in St. Paul. He was stabbed in the stomach and once in the chest. Devin was 15. It was his first day at Harding High. He'd just been transferred from another St. Paul High School. Now one kid is dead, another is facing murder charges. Devin was a troubled kid. Sources say he was involved in gangs and drugs. He had a history of problems in the public schools. A generation ago, a kid like Devin Scott never would have been in school. He would have been expelled before he ever got to Harding High. So how did he end up there? Devin's death is a visible symptom of the decay in public schools. From Moose Lake to Farmington, public education in Minnesota is broken. What was once one of the most trusted institutions in the state is now treacherous. Violence in schools is functioning much like COVID. When the pandemic hit in 2020, suddenly parents all over the country were in their kids' classrooms as they were taught on Zoom. Some educators are blaming COVID for learning losses. Calling it the COVID slide. Kids falling behind in their academic progress because of the pandemic. Now we can see this clearly in the data. McKinsey's study shows that already students have lost an average of 6.8 months of learning so far. COVID didn't cause learning loss. It exposed it. It yanked back the curtain on what is going on in classrooms across the state, much like what violence is doing now. With more and more reports about school violence, parents are taking a closer look at what's going on when their kids are sucked up into the vortex of public schools. I'm Sheila Qualls. I write for a Minnesota-based news outlet called Alpha News. I've written a series of articles on ideologies, policies, and practices that allow violence, misconduct, and low performance to go unchecked. For the past six months, we've been examining public education. I've interviewed teachers, parents, and students. I've talked to people who study education in Minnesota. I've looked at curriculum and school websites. I've contacted the Department of Education, the Minnesota School Board Association, the Teachers Union, and administrators. I'm going to paint a picture of what is going on in our schools and why. Not in my words, but in the words of teachers, students, and parents who are in or around public schools every day. Thousands of Minnesota families are trapped, held hostage by a system that is shaped by misguided and irresponsible policies and practices that are at odds with traditional values. The threat of losing our children is real. Most teachers and parents spoke with us on the promise of anonymity. Small details have been changed to protect students' identities. They fear retaliation. Dissent is not tolerated. Disagreement is voiced only in whispers. Throughout this series, I'm going to show you everything from why kids can't read to why they have to worry about getting stabbed at school. This is Trapped, Chaos in the Classroom. There's chaos in Minnesota public schools. Chaos that administrators don't report teachers and staff are afraid to talk about, and parents don't know about. The murder at St. Paul's Harding High didn't happen in a vacuum. 
Violence and low academic performance are rampant in schools across the state. I would see on kids' Snapchat stories children just brawling in the middle of the hallways, punching each other over and over, teachers standing there watching, and teachers too afraid to stop it. Why now? It hasn't always been this way. Kids are not learning the skills they need to become functioning adults because the focus of our schools is not education. What's happening in public schools looks a lot like education, but it's not. Schools are failing kids. But the education establishment continues to lower expectations. Accountability has disappeared. This creates conditions ripe for poor performance and disrespect. And that's exactly what's happening. Kids swear at teachers, refuse to turn in assignments, text during class time, play games on their phones, hold conversations while teachers are talking, and then dare them to discipline. Families are taking note, and some of them are taking action. Minnesota Department of Education reports public school enrollment has declined for a third consecutive year. I I don't know. I don't have an answer. You would think data like that would force us to shift back. Reading, math, and science scores are in a free fall and show no signs of improving. It's really hard to be an older teacher today. We see our numbers of our kids' math scores and our kids' reading scores and science scores like aren't even on par. And Minnesota had one of the biggest drops, I think, in the entire country when we used to be the marquee of what people strove for in education, right? And now we're, we had one of the biggest drops. Are kids getting dumber? Quite the opposite. Kids are as intelligent and inquisitive as they've always been. Public school is not what it used to be. Things have changed so dramatically so quickly. It's, it's, it's a crazy time. I mean, it I just, crazy. I could tell you story after story. Officer Mark Ross is president of the St. Paul Police Federation. He is also a former school resource officer or SRO. He grew up in St. Paul and graduated from St. Paul Public Schools. He said schools are failing in more ways than one. I was an SRO from 2010 to 2014. Unfortunately, I was in a great building, with a lot of really good teachers that uh, actually helped me break up fights. And it was required. I mean, let's be honest, these are kids. And, and, and part of being an adult is uh, intervening when kids are doing, are doing things they should not be doing. And so when, when you have people in the building willing and capable of, of intervening when there's a physical fight, I mean, I think that's something that should happen. I, I, I could tell you that if, if my student was in a fight and there was you know, somebody, a, a staff member, a school staff member who's capable of at least attempting to break it up, they didn't break it up, I mean, I would take exception to that not intervening in those situations. It can get really dangerous really fast. I've heard stories from parents in Burnsville, Moose Lake, Delano, Farmington, South Washington County, Sartell, Isanti, and many more. Not just one, but dozens of stories from angry, frustrated parents all over the state who are not quite sure of what to do. But the reality is, from a safety perspective, they just have to know that that these kids are generally speaking, not being dealt with. I mean, there are a lot of dangerous kids in these schools. They're engaged in criminal behavior on a regular basis. They're not being held accountable for the behavior. And the behavior is being allowed to, it's being allowed to continue. 
And so that makes for a very dangerous experience for people that don't even know they're in danger. And that's really the sad part. I mean, it was amazing to me how oblivious a lot of the students were to, I mean, obviously when a fight occurs, you know, you see that. And I don't know, I don't even know how prevalent physical fighting is in the schools now because I don't think they're reporting it very often. More to, and I can't tell you how many times over the last several years parents have called and said, you know, my student was assaulted in school today and nobody called the police. They got home and told me a story and now I'm calling the police. There's no way, there's no way I would send one of my children to one of those schools. Most problems are not as visible as violence. They're much less obvious and emerge over time. But issues have been quietly brewing beneath the surface for decades. And it's like, you want to jump into something, you might get shot and killed. I mean, it's that crazy. Shooting each other is not normal. In some high schools, kids don't go to class and rove the hallways instead. Teachers and students are afraid to go to the bathroom while class is in session. Recently, I, I talked to a teacher that said that for over a year, she didn't feel safe going to school. She felt safer in her room with the door shut. She said to me that I wouldn't want to even go to the bathroom because I knew that there were going to be students out in the hallways that weren't supposed to be doing the stuff that they were doing. Fights are common in the lunchroom. Some parents report kids threaten to murder other kids. Instead of expulsion, violent kids now get administratively transferred. It's like a bad game of musical chairs. Violent kids rotate from school to school until they eventually graduate or just stop going. That's how Devin ended up at Harding High. Ross said there's no control in the high schools and what happened at Harding was predictable. But those administrative transfers are the, are the root of the problem. So administrative transfer really means a bad kid? Typically, or a kid that hasn't been able to function at, at another school. What they'll do is they'll say, okay, things aren't working, we're, they're, they're not working for you anymore, we're gonna transfer you over to another high school. Well, that creates another problem because for every kid you transfer out on administrative transfer, you get one back in. So it's like this game of musical chairs. These kids go from school to school to school and they don't function at any of them. And the problem is all these kids know one another, especially the, the kids that are in the mix, whether it be they're in a gang or somewhere from a neighborhood or another neighborhood or they have relatives at another school, but everyone knows everyone, whether it's a gang issue or something on social media. And I can tell you there were times that at Como Park High School, when I was a school resource officer, where we'd get to a point where we finally got a couple kids that were creating tons of problems for us out. And the next week, we get new, two new kids in that were just as bad or worse because of the way that they administratively transfer kids. Violence has surged since school boards removed cops from schools. After the death of George Floyd, they said the presence of a gun and a badge made some kids uneasy. I used to keep my car parked in the front of Cole Park High School, right in the front main entrance. That was where I parked my car. At the time, Superintendent Valeria Silva came one day and said, why is your car parked there? I'm like, well, I have a lot of equipment in there and I need to have access to it if there's an emergency and I don't want to have to walk, you know, three blocks to the parking lot. And to be honest, it's a deterrent to crime. People see the squad car. Mm -hmm. They're less likely to commit a crime here. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people in the community tell me that make, makes them feel really safe. She goes, well, I'm hearing just the opposite. I'm hearing that it makes people feel uncomfortable. I said, that's not true. I said, can you find me? And this is me, a police officer. I'm not a, I'm, at the time, I'm not in a management role in the police department. I'm just the lowly school resource officer, as you know, these administrators would, would view it. And so I, I pushed back on the superintendent of the schools, and she was pissed that I would push back on her. Some kids may feel uneasy about police presence, 
but many more are uneasy about the lack of discipline and accountability. Those students are paying the price for bad policy. Rather than actually put some meaningful work forward and, and try and change those things, they changed the way that they dealt with discipline. So they would allow the same behaviors. Previously, those behaviors would, would result in discipline, but no longer. So they would say, you know, look at this. We've had this massive reduction in suspensions and dismissals and arrests, and, and we're doing so great. In fact, they actually tied building principals' bonuses to, to those numbers. So those folks that were dismissing, suspending uh, the least amount of students were being rewarded financially. So, I mean, through a financial incentive, they actually kind of started to create this. But we're at a point now where there's just no control in the high schools. And they have you know, kids wandering the halls, very, we'll say, disrespectful things if anyone tries to hold them accountable. They just basically do what they want to do all day long and don't contribute at all to the well-being of the, of the culture of the school and actually detract from it. Kids used to take books and gym bags to school. Now, an increasing number of them take weapons. And administrators find some, but not all of them. Kids, faculty, and staff are no longer safe. I would hate to even know how many guns are, are in the schools on any given day. So do you obviously think there are quite a few? Yeah, it's impossible to know the number, but I know they've, they, you know, they recover a few guns every year. Those are just the guns that are recovered, whether it be uh, a lot of times it's a tip from another student or maybe something that's posted on social media. But um, yeah, those are just the ones that are recovered. So, uh, you know, how, if a kid brings a gun to school in a backpack, how would you, how would you even know? In January, a 15-year-old kid was arrested with a gun at Harding, where administrators had found at least three guns the year before. Harding isn't the only St. Paul school dealing with violence. A kid was seriously wounded in a shooting outside a rec center near Central High. And a bullet grazed a staff member's ear during an after-school shooting at a St. Paul magnet school. Ross said his children would have been fourth-generation graduates from St. Paul Public Schools. He moved his family because he does not want his kids in the district. It's sad. I, I'm, I'm saddened by what's happened in the St. Paul Public Schools. Mm -hmm. It's uh, heartbreaking to me, like I said. Uh, I was a third generation for my family to graduate from St. Paul Public High School, and unfortunately, um, we weren't able to continue that tradition in my family, but uh, we started a new, better tradition, I think. Ready and going. Can you tell me your name and which school you go to? Um, my name is Anthony, and I go to White Bear Lake North Campus. And what grade are you in? I'm in ninth grade. I'm a freshman. This is Anthony. He's a freshman at White Bear Lake North Campus. Anthony's a B student. He likes baseball and is kind to his little sister. I spoke with Anthony and his mom, Anne, at their home. It was just a big shock. I feel like everyone in ninth grade now can say that. High school is nothing like they tell us it's going to be because they prepare us for things that don't actually happen or are going to happen. Mm -hmm. So what do they prepare you for that didn't happen? Um, well, they prepare us for things just like the atmosphere and the teachers and like the grading in the school and just like how everything is going to be and just like how high school sets you up for the rest of your life and college and things like that. But really what they should have been preparing us for is just the atmosphere of the students and how the students all treat each other and the things that go on there that you just see and that they just tell you to not look at. 
So what types of things do you see that they would say don't look at? Uh, we see fights pretty frequently, two to three a week, I'd say. And then every time we ask something about them, they just say it's being handled. It's being handled. And to just blind eye look away from it and act like it never happened. And I don't think that's good. And I feel like we should definitely talk about it. Definitely speak on it. Because we can't just ignore someone getting punched in the face on the ground at noon at high school. I just don't think that's not how things should be handled. When Anne learned Anthony was being assaulted by another student on the school bus, she contacted the school. Um, it started about last winter. My boys rolled a bus to and from school together, and my younger son said, Anthony got hit on the bus today. I said, I didn't think too much about it because Anthony is a kid to stand up for himself, and he would have told me. And then it happened again, and he said, Anthony got hit again today with a belt. So I told Anthony, I said, well, you need to go tell the office. He's an eighth grader. So I said, you need to tell the school, you know, it's time for you to talk to the school. So he said he repeatedly would get off the bus, go into the office at the school and tell them, hey, there's an issue on the bus. I need to talk to somebody. And they'd say, oh, hurry on to class. And they wouldn't even listen. Hurry on to class. He said it went on for a whole week. He'd get hit with a belt on the bus. He'd go into the school and tell them. And they just would say, oh, hurry on to class. White Bear Lake administrators told Ann they were handling it. So I sent an email to the principal after a week, and she responded and said she would take care of it. But then I didn't hear any follow-up, so I asked for a follow-up, and the boy was never removed from the bus. Um, I then followed up myself and called the principal and said, I would like to know that he was disciplined. I would like him off the bus. I would like him not near my boys. And then she told me she couldn't discipline, talk about another kid's discipline with me. So I never got any follow-up. I don't know where it went with this boy, but he never was removed from the bus or the classroom. Like many parents, Anne is frustrated. As a mom, it makes me feel pretty helpless. Because at first I told him, you know, you're going to be in high school next year. You can stand up for yourself. You can report this to the office. And then the fact that I then had to go and report it, and it still went on dead ears, it made me as a mom feel very helpless. They have to be in school every day. They have to ride the bus to get there. And I couldn't protect him. Anthony is frustrated too. It just makes me feel, uh, doesn't feel good to just see someone getting pummeled in the face or just like getting thrown against a locker or something or being called names or just, just doesn't feel good. So what happens to the kids who are the perpetrators? I, we don't know because they don't tell us anything and we're not allowed to ask anything. And if we get asked, then we get questioned by like the teachers and things there. So we're not really sure. It's like I'm trapped, like everything's trapped inside me because I can't talk about it. The high school seems to be pretty tough. Um, you just are supposed to not talk to, you know, not talk to people you don't know and just stay in your own lane. And um, it seems to be a lot of fights. I mean, with videos and cameras around, the kids often will share videos with me. I mean, I'm seeing new videos. It's almost a joke because the boys come to my house after school. There's a group of high schoolers that ride the bus together and they come here after school and I can just overhear them talking about fights almost daily. And then there doesn't seem to be much discipline or anything for the students that are causing these issues. When I talk to parents about what I've learned in schools, they say one of two things. They either say, I had no idea, or that's not happening in my kid's school. It's happening in most schools all 
over the state. The question is why. You are recording? Take it away. I'm talking to Becky about her daughter who goes to... Central Middle School. Central Middle School in... In White Bear Lake, Minnesota. So I had a child that was in middle school, and while she was there, um, she just had been doing some light horseplay in class with some of her friends. She ended up being suspended for that incident. Her daughter was routinely assaulted by another student. After repeatedly asking the administration to intercede, Becky said she got no results. She transferred her daughter out of the district. So when we went to the school, we did ask why there wasn't any fair punishment being done because our daughter had received such harsh punishment, we thought, for something that seemed to be very minor. So when we went to the school and asked, they didn't have any response for us. They told us not to worry about it, that it was getting taken care of, that they can't give us any information, and that was essentially the end of it. My student says that she's afraid to go to school. She feels like she's going to be jumped. She's worried about the bus. She's worried about even entering the school. She's worried about walking in. She's worried about being in the bathrooms alone. That's something that just isn't done anymore. It's not a safe place for students. So from what the girls have said, they really do have to gather in groups to even use a restroom safely. Um, They do see a lot of things like vaping and drug use within the bathrooms, and it just doesn't seem like the school is doing a lot to handle those things. There was a group of us that did unite and go into principal and try to talk to her about this and say we want something done. When there was nothing done and the incident continued to occur, that was when we just decided it was no longer a safe place for our child to be, and we felt like it would be best if we moved her to a different district. Hopkins High School is in the West Metro. The situation there is similar. Last fall, during a fight in the girls' bathroom, students watched as one girl kicked another in the head until she was unconscious. Hopkins was Minnesota's first school of excellence. Parents say fights there occur almost daily. The violence and poor academic performance are chasing parents out of the district. Cell phone recordings of fights dominate Snapchat and Instagram. In Little Falls, a special ed student was sexually assaulted during the lunch hour. One student recorded while the other assaulted him. They released it on social media. I wanted to file assault charges. And they told me that I couldn't because it was a fight. I spoke with Kathy Johnson in the playroom of her daycare center as she told me about an assault on her grandson. She refers to him as her son. Kathy's kid attended Blaine High School, where she said three boys walked into her son's classroom and attacked him during class. It all started on March 24th, 2022. I I received a call from um, the assistant principal at the high school. Three boys had entered the classroom from the hallway while the the class was in session, surrounded his desk, and beat him. They just kept on beating him and pounding his head up against the desk. And he's got braces, so his braces were broken. He had all kinds of cuts and welts inside of his mouth. He had glasses that were broken. They, they, were, they flew. The teacher yelled and screamed and tried to pull the boys off of him. 
The boys then posted the assault on the Blaine Fight Club Instagram page. The page has since been taken down. One of the boys had videotaped the assault and was passing it around the rest of the school body. These boys had gone into that classroom knowing that they weren't going to get in trouble and put the kids in the classroom at risk as, long, at, as well as the teacher. Although her son had to be taken to the hospital and treated for his injuries, he was expelled from school. He's never gone back. I called the school board and they just thanked me for bringing it to their attention five times in about five minutes and I knew that they weren't going to do anything. And so when I had talked to the police officer again, telling him I wanted to press charges, he said he couldn't because the school wouldn't allow it. We've had multiple assaults occurring at the school. The attack was traumatizing and left Kathy feeling angry and helpless. So he left his friends. He was the victim, but yet he was treated more harshly than the kids that assaulted him. And I don't, I don't get it. What, what kind of a boy is your son? Good student. I'm going to tell you a story. My grandson was, he's my grandson. He was the ward of the court. We took him in. We got legal custody of him. And the day that we had the final papers signed, the judge told us, you keep him safe. Because he was in such an unsafe environment where he was. How do you think that makes me feel? I sent him to school where I thought he was safe. It hurts. No kid should ever go through that. And, and for adults to be the problem, or at least part of the problem, and not even trying, trying to even be part of the solution, I'm appalled. Absolutely appalled. So the assault took place on school grounds. School officials and the school board took no action. So Kathy pressed charges. Her grandson's assailants were convicted of a fifth-degree assault and placed on probation. If schools don't report or keep records of an assault, Officer Ross said the only way to document an incident is if parents go to police. Events like the murder of Devin Scott are waking parents up to the fact that there's a problem. What's changed? A lack of consequences. Officer Mark Ross. And when these kids never have to face a negative consequence, it gives them this kind of false sense of, uh, you know, they feel like supermen when they can do anything and they're not going to be hurt. It's not going to hurt them. There isn't going to be any adverse, adversary, you know, adverse consequences to their behavior. So, yeah, I, I, again, a lot of these kids are just being prepared for failure from day one. Never any consequences. And that's part of it. And, it's, you know, again, as a society, I don't know why things have gotten so violent. Everything from swearing at teachers to fighting to doing or selling drugs in bathrooms goes unpunished. Teachers and staff have no control because there are no consequences for anything. 
but inaction produces results. Teachers, like families, are exiting the profession in droves, and those who can afford to are abandoning public education. This is Steve Severance. He's a former teacher in St. Paul Public Schools. I substituted a lot of districts before I got a job in 1980, and then I ended up at St. Paul, St. Paul Public Schools system and stayed there for 37 years. He retired in 2014 after an incident in his classroom. We had one kid. He was expelled from Central. His brother got in a fight at lunchtime. Teachers tried to break it up. This kid almost killed John. He was a teacher, math teacher, a strong-built guy, you know. The kid rammed his head into the cement post two or three times. John ends up now with a brain concussion, an eye disjointed, walking issues because of brain injury with it all. Got nothing out of the district other than fired for interfering. He said the profession has changed. Severance said no one should be surprised by what happened at Harding. The gang boy that got killed uh, is unfortunate. I don't care if he's in gang or what. No child should lose their lives. However, I feel that the district, from the superintendent, from the administrative chief academic officer, and the school board are responsible that there wasn't uh, actions to protect these kids. They kicked out the police officers in St. Paul. Uh, they said that it intimidates and um, uh, tortures the ki kids seeing them in uniform. Principals fought this at getting the police out of the schools, Harding and uh, Central particularly. Teachers were not happy. So now we don't have cops. However, if you go to the administration building, full security everywhere, you can't get into any office, you had to talk to the people, check in, and so uh, it's just interesting that the administration protects themselves, but they don't protect the students in the building. Millions and millions of dollars are being poured into the public school system, but Minnesota kids are being cheated out of a basic education, and most parents don't know. How did schools get so out of control? Why are so many teachers struggling to control their classrooms? If public schools aren't teaching kids how to read, what are they doing? Administrators in many districts in the state are pushing a single agenda. It's not a coincidence, and it's not a parent-led agenda. The violence, lack of discipline, and lax academic standards are merely tools to reach a larger objective, and it's harming kids I wanted to do this podcast because I discovered kids are being robbed of a basic education, and I thought parents deserve to know, and our kids deserve better. I believe I know the key to fixing this problem, but first, we need to know where it came from, what is wrong with it, and why. Families need to know they are not trapped. They hold the key to education freedom. The whole thing is so upsetting that it continues to go on and everybody looks the other way. 
Why do you think that is? Because I think it's such a hole that nobody, what are they going to do? They can't depend on anybody in Minnesota Department of Education or Minnesota Department of Human Services or the Minnesota Department of Child Safety. Um, where do you start? But we have so many highly educated people in Minnesota and in our school district, and they can't figure it out. This is Sheila Qualls, and you are listening to Trapped, Chaos in the Classroom. Listen to episode two to find out what teachers are saying and the key to fixing our education system. In the next episode, I'm going to tell you why public education is failing our kids and putting everyone who participates at risk. Trapped is a podcast from Alpha News. It's reported by me and produced by Kendall Johnson of Underdog Films. Editing by Karen Sullivan, Fact-checking by Anthony Gokowski and Greg Pullis. Our theme music is by Kendall Johnson. We have four more episodes coming. You'll be able to find them on our website. Subscribe at alphanews.org.